Well, I feel like I've come home. I've come back to the uh, city of my natural birth, Jubilee Hospital, October 1949. To save you doing the arithmetic, I'm 73 years old, all right? <laughs> but not just to the city of my natural birth, but also to the city of my spiritual birth. Hopeton Street Church, uh, February 1968. Uh, from Hopeton Street, we went up to Tennant Street, Unionist Hall. From there, we went to Percy Street. From Percy Street to North Boundary Street. From North Boundary Street to here. Apparently, so the story goes, uh, and I remember this, there was a sign outside of Hopeton Street, this church is on fire. And so somebody decided to go into the church and set it on fire, all right? So, so Matt, please don't ever put that outside <laughs> this church, all right? Um, but I, I, I really do feel I've come home. Um, Jackie McCubrey, his name was mentioned uh, this morning. Uh, I, I met with Jack for a coffee the, the other day. And we were reminiscing, as you do, and uh, we were talking about the time when we were young people, as opposed to the older people in the church. And now here, there's Jackie Roberts. He's no spring chicken either, is he, really? Where's <laughs> <laughs> <was> Jackie? <laughs> just, trying to, just trying to look around to see if there's anybody else here that I recognize, you know, from, from the old days. Um, but here we are. Here we are. Um, the more senior, the more senior uh, of the congregation. I'm thankful to God for this church. Uh, it was when we were at Percy Street that um, I went into ministry, went to what was then Kenley Bible School, and after that launched into something like 40 years of ministry. So thankful for the support from the church in my years in Dublin, and then from there, I went to the Midlands in England, there for about 16 years, up to Scotland. And then uh, the last 20 years, I've been in Chesterfield. I'm, I'm in kind of official retirement. But, you know, I believe this passionate, passionately. Once you're a pastor, you're always a pastor. I can't stop being what I am. And um, I still preach in the church that I belong to. Um, I haven't got a website advertising my services, but when the opportunity comes, Matt, thanks for the opportunity to speak. I appreciate that very much. So it's good to be, good to be home again. Uh, I'm staying with my sister. She's not looking after me very well, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I had the strength to get up those stairs this morning, and probably Sunday dinner today will be a scrap of bread or something. Oh, I, I don't know. So could you have words with my, my, my sister, I appreciate that very much. I've been preaching, I've been preaching now for over 50 years, and you might be surprised if I tell you this, but I still get butterflies in my stomach every time I get up to minister, and I've, I've got them again this morning. It's a, it's a part of being a, a, a preacher, I suppose. So um, let's turn to God's word. Let's turn to God's word. We're looking at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read the first 10 verses. Uh, I, I can't be too long because there's a, there's a clock be, 
behind me there. There was, used to be a preacher who had the habit of taking off his, his watch and strapping it across the pulpit. And uh, he did this every Sunday. And this little boy always noticed that the preacher did that. And one morning he was sitting next to his daddy. He says, Daddy, what does it mean when the preacher takes his watch off and puts it over the pulpit there? And the father looked at his son. Son, it doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't. <laughs> but I've got no excuse. Um, I'm not a long-winded preacher. Please don't, don't worry. I like the story about... Um, a parishioner was giving off to the pastor. You preached too long. You preached too long this morning. And the pastor said, well, I, I believe that we need to expound the pure word, the pure milk of God's word. And then the parishioner said, well, make it condensed milk the next time. <laughs> it's the way I tell them that. It's the way I tell them, right? <laughs> All right. You, I, I'm glad you laugh at this church. Oh, wouldn't, we, wouldn't church be miserable, you know, if you, if you couldn't laugh? So there you are. First Peter chapter 2. I'm reading from the NIV version. I'm not quite certain what version is on your screen, but we won't worry about that too much. First Peter chapter 2, and um, the first 10 verses. Therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, and you're praying and believing that God's going to do that through this mission, aren't you? Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. God's blessing uh, be upon his word this morning. I would imagine that most of us here this morning have seen the movie 
the Lion King. Uh, they made it many years ago and then they remade it not so long ago. And I like that particular scene in the movie where, where Simba is having a bit of an identity crisis. He was wondering uh, who he was. He was wondering his purpose in life. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he, he had a, a, a revelation. He heard the voice of his father, Musasa, I think his name was. And uh, his father said to, to Simba from Edmund, Simba, remember who you are. Simba, remember who you are. And if you get anything from my message this morning, I, I trust that you'll leave with a, a, a fresh realization of, of who you are. Remember who you are. Would you like to say to the person next to you, remember who you are? Would you do that for me, please? Yeah. Re Thank you very much. <laughs> That's enough, that's enough, all right. Remember who you are. Here is, um, here is Peter, he's writing to a, a group of people who were under the cosh of, of persecution. And, and he just reminds them of who they are. In, incidentally, in this passage of scripture, he uses one metaphor after another metaphor, or one description after another description, just to remind them of who they are. And also in the process of reminding them of who they are, he gives us a very balanced view of the, of the Christian life. So just remember that, that sermon title this morning. When you're going back in your car, uh, and when you meet people, I want you to have that expression in the back of your mind, remember who you are. And so here, Peter reminds these people who they are. First of all, he says, you're newborn babies, therefore rid yourselves of all malice. And then he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. So as newborn babies, we, we, we need to grow. Now that's a very interesting expression that he used, crave. It's, it's uh, like the expression that we have in the Psalms, where the psalmist David said, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts after you. The, the, the living God crave. Now, I have had three children that have come into my household. And uh, you know what? When my children were little babies... Uh, guess what? They, they weren't too interested in, in the color of the pram. Were they? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? They weren't too interested about how nicely the uh, bedroom was decorated. All they were consumed with was this, milk. Milk, and when I heard my children crying, and we all know what it was like those sleepless nights when the children come into the home at, at first, those sleepless nights, uh, usually it was because they were wet or they were hungry, and invariably it, it was when they were hungry and they were craving, they were craving milk. Now, I don't believe that. Peter here is talking about uh, new Christians particularly. 
I, I believe he's talking about what should be the attitude of Christians, whether they've been saved five minutes or 50 years. We need to have this, this craving for, for, the, for the milk of God's word, because by it we grow. Moses came in to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. But today, I believe that God is saying to his church, what I believe he's saying to his church is this, let my people, say it, grow. And how do we grow? We grow by God's word. How can I get a, a desire, a, a craving for God's word? You know what? I don't know. I've mentioned Bob Edgar's name yet. But Bob Edgar, my spiritual father. Hands up if people recognize the name Bob Edgar. Yes, I see those hands. I feel like a real evangelist this morning. <laughs> uh, but Bob, but I talk about an evangelist. Bob was an evangelist. And I remember coming week by week to hear this man preach. And believe me, I tell you, he preached the gospel. And I like what it says in the, in the verses previous. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but if imperishable, through the living and the enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this was the word that was preached to you. And I remember week by week hearing that word preached to me. And guess what? It became like a seed in my heart and it germinated and it gave me life and the same word that brings life is the same word that promotes growth don't cut yourself off from God's word and if surveys or anything to go by apparently I've been told that a lot of Christians, the only time they read the Bible is when they come to church. Now that's not true here, is it? Of course it's not. You all have your daily Bible readings, don't you? Yeah, of course you're good. Because it promotes growth. So, like newborn babies, we need to we need to grow. We need to grow. One conference time, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on a retired list now apparently with Assemblies of God, but I've been forgotten about, but never mind, I can handle that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, no bitterness in my heart, no bitterness in my heart. No. Um, on some retirement. But I was at an AOG conference in uh, Manchester. And um, I had this sat-nav trying to get from my hotel to the place where the conference was. I'm sure this sat-nav was demon-possessed. Uh, <laughs> it was taking me all over the place. 
I went, I left this hotel and half an hour later we were back outside the hotel that we started off from. I was with my precious Vivian who was no, no longer with us and I, I remember we were driving all over and the sat nav says turn right and then turn right again and I so I turned right and I said turn right again and, and there was these railway lines that were going down this road uh, one on the right and one on the left and I said what do I do because I've seen them drive on railway lines in, in Sheffield and so I took the one where the railway lines was and before I knew it I was, I was passing a a train platform, people standing on it, looking down at me. <laughs> I was fully expecting to get some, 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 in some of the police. But, the, but you know what? They must have had such a good laugh at that. <laughs> this book is a sat nav that will never point you in the wrong direction, but it will stimulate, stimulate spiritual growth oh it's time for God's people to grow up and as newborn babies we need to grow going on quickly that's that's one metaphor they use secondly he also says your living stone I should come to him the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and pressed to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. Now what he does here is, he, he, take us, he takes us from the imagery of the nursery and now he takes us and he places us on a building site. Now what is highlighted the most in this passage of scripture is that Jesus is is the stone. He is, he is the living stone, Jesus is. Thank God we, we don't worship a dead Christ this morning, do we? He, he is very much alive. And especially since my precious Vivian passed to be with the Lord a few years ago, the resurrection has taken on a, a new meaning to me. That in the resurrection of Christ, thank God we have a hope. A hope that's never going to die. And so Jesus is referred to as, a, as, a, as the living stone. He's also referred to as a precious cornerstone. He is the cornerstone. Then he's, a, he's also the rejected stone. And for some people he is a stumbling stone as well. And so this imagery of, of Jesus being the stone is, is there. But then he says this, Peter says this, and, and you also, just like Jesus is a, a, a living stone, so also you are so, are, are, are a living stone. A living stone. Now, when you think about, you've heard the expression, as dead as stone. Well, hey, a miracle has taken place. We've been made alive. We pray for tonight and we pray for the next couple of nights that people who are dead will be made alive. I had the opportunity to kiss the Blarney Stone once. I said, there's no way I'm going to kiss that. I, you, I wouldn't have kissed it for a million pounds. Well, maybe for two million pounds, but, but there's no way I'm kissing that thing. Apparently it gives you the gift of the gap. 
my precious Vivian, she knew how to talk, and so I didn't want her to kiss me. No. <laughs> my, imagine what would have happened. You know. You've heard of the Rolling Stones as well, I suppose. I was a Beatle man myself more than the Rolling Stones. But notice, there's a similarity between us and Christ. He is the living stone. We also, like him, are living stones. So there is a, meant to be a resemblance between the resurrected Christ and resurrected believers. But not only are we, are we living stones, but we are integrated stones. Notice what he says here. This is so fundamentally important. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. In other words, we are, we are meant to be no, no solitary Christians. No Christians, as it were, going alone. I don't know. I don't know how many times people have said to me, the church is full of hypocrites. I've had to bite my tongue because, you know, the sad truth is there is hypocrisy in the church, isn't there? And maybe we've all been a bit hypocritical from time to time. I don't know. But when people, people say that to me, I, I, I bite my tongue and I almost feel like saying to them, well, come and join us. We can always do with a hypocrite or one or two more hypocrites within the church. I bite my tongue. It's a sad fact, isn't it, what, what, that when, when stones are being built into a, 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 a building, uh, they might grate against other stones. <laughs> Have you ever had a Christian who really grated against you? No? Damn me, I'm coming to this church, you know. <laughs> Come on, we have stones coming in contact with other stones? Oh, they really get on your, on your pip. They really get on your, your nerves. Oh, well, <laughs> of course that happens. Of course that happens. Of course there's hypocrisy within the church. But your destiny in God cannot be divorced from the church. It's impossible. Ah, oh, do you remember old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra? Actually, I've often said that all the singers today, they sound the same to me. I don't know why. And so when I hear a Frank Sinatra song from time to time, I say, that's quite refreshing to hear that. But he used to have a, a song, Love and Marriage, Love and Marriage, Go Together Like a Horse and Carriage. You know the song. This side, come on, we're all together now. Come on, we can't. <laughs> Can't have one without the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends, the church with all of its inconsistencies. You can't be a Christian without the other. Because you are living stones that are being 
related to other living stones. So my encouragement to you is this, get involved with the local church, with the local expression. Am I boring you, am I? Does this girl get to bed early at night? Now? That's about the fourth or fifth time I've seen you yawn while I've been preaching. I'm beginning to take it personally, all right? Sorry. I'm embarrassing, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, she'll be afraid that you are now, won't you? <laughs> what was I talking about there, yeah. Yeah, getting related, getting related to the church. Uh, I, I'm living, effectively living on a building site now. Uh, I, I went into a new, new build a while ago and directly in front of me, there's houses being built and there's bricks everywhere. And this is one thing I know about bricks. They don't find their purpose until they become part of the edifice. And the church, in spite of all of its shortcomings, is where God wants you to be. I know God gives special grace to some people if they can't get and mix with God's people. I appreciate that. But where possible, God wants you to be a part of a church, become a part of its ministries, get involved, begin to relate, forget about the hypocrisy. May I, could I, just, I was just thinking about that. Maybe there's some people here this morning, and you're not a Christian because of the hypocrisy that you see within the church. Could I just say this? When you stand before Jesus and, and, and he asks you why you, you did not commit your life to him, it's, it's not going to wash with him for you to say, well, there was too many hypocrites in the church. You don't, look, you let God deal with the hypocrites, all right? You be worried about yourself. Newborn babies that need to grow. A very balanced few. Living stones that need to be relate, that need to become a part of that great church that Jesus is building. And then he says something else. He says, your holy priest. He says there, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood. He says there in verse 4 and 5, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, and I just love how he mixes up all these metaphors. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as holy priests, we are meant to offer Sacrifices. Now I believe, I believe in the in the priesthood of all believers. And and Peter here, he's quoting extensively from the Old Testament scriptures. And the priests, uh, if you read about their garments, you can read about it in Exodus 28. They're quite impressive-looking guys. We don't need those garments now, but the the, the priests they had. They had Access to God, uh, the high priest certainly once a year, but not without blood. And they, they offered sacrifices. Uh, they, would, they would place their hands upon the, uh, a sacrifice. And the, 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 the sins of the people was, was transferred to the sacrifice. Sorry, I'm not transferring my sins to you, by the way. My, my, if you're like me, you probably got enough faults of your own anyways. All right. <laughs> 
but they were they were transferred and then they and then they were sacrificed. Was it C.T. Studd who said, "If Jesus Christ be God and gave Himself for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me." So He's taken us from the nursery, newborn babies, to a building site, living stones, and now he takes us to an altar. An altar where sacrifices are being made. Get your concordance out. Look up the word sacrifices in your concordance. The Bible mentions at least eight different spiritual sacrifices. If I just spend about five minutes on each of those eight sacrifices, would that be okay, Matt? No. <laughs> joking, I'm only joking, only joking. The Bible talks about our, our praise is a, is a spiritual sacrifice. The Bible says, Romans 12, present your bodies as a as a living sacrifice. That's the problem, isn't it? We're, we're living sacrifices. And because we're living sacrifices, sometimes we get off the altar, don't we? <laughs> and we do our own things. Our monetary gifts are a sacrifice. Philippines chapter 4 talks about that. Paul received a gift and he says, God is pleased with those kinds of Sacrifices, monetary sacrifices. I remember that I was at a conference um, many years ago. I'm showing my age here, but there was a, there was an Elam pastor. Um, God has saved some of those people in the Elam church, by the way. You know, <laughs> one or two of them, anyways. I think. Yeah. But there was this Elam pastor, and he was getting up, and he was, he was telling this story about his son. And uh, he was trying to teach his son generosity, sacrificial giving. And so, before they went to a certain meeting, uh, he said, Now, son, I want you to remember, God wants us to give sacrificially, and he also wants us to give cheerfully as well. So, I'm going to do something. I'm going to give you a five-pound note, and I'm going to give you 50 pence. And when the offering comes around, I want you to decide what you're going to put into the offering. He says, okay, Dad, okay, Dad. So the offering came around, and the father was obviously wondering what his son would do, and he, he looked down, on the, and he noticed that his son put the 50 pence in. <laughs> Afterwards, he said to his son, Son, I, I noticed you put 50 pence in. No. Don't you remember what I said about sacrificial giving and being cheerful? He said, yeah, yeah, Dad, I, I remember what you said about being cheerful, but I, I felt a lot more cheerful putting in 50 pence than what I did putting in five pounds. <laughs> oh, hey, the simple fact is the church can't exist without money. No. I mean, you've got to pay this guy here, haven't you? No, <laughs> ministries have to be paid. It's part and parcel, but 
I, I, I'm over the year, I've been thankful to God for the gifts of God people. The church doesn't go on without money. So, as holy priests, we sacrifice. We bring our sacrifices. So he's taken us from the nursery to the building site to the altar. A wonderful, wonderfully balanced view of the Christian life. Our relationships to ourselves. You need to grow. Our, our relationship to, to the church. We need to, be, we need to relate. Our, our relationship to God. We, we need to sacrifice. We need to bring our, our, our sacrifices to God. And then, and then in conclusion, he, he says this. He says this, he says, verse 9, but you are, you are a chosen people. We, we, we are God's frozen chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I just love the imagery here. Once we were not a people, but now we are a people. We are, we are a people Belonging to God. There may be people here this morning and you're here but you're, and you're with God's people but you, but you don't belong to God. People will be coming tonight who just do not belong to God. We want them to become the property of God. And, and notice what he says here. He says, as God's possession, a people belonging in there that, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, from our personal responsibility to our church responsibility to our responsibility to God, he now says, you are God's possession the church was never meant to be a spiritual ghetto. Never. Why do you exist as a church? Well, you exist for your non-members. You exist for those who as yet do not belong to God. And you're going to be proclaiming the wonderful message of Christ tonight through drama. And I've seen it uh, many years ago when I was up in, in, in Scotland. You're going to be declaring the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Was it one, one evangelist said there's... There's not four Gospels, there's, there's five Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. And this is the thing about declaring the Gospel. We just don't do it verbally, but we do it visually as well. People need to hear the good news, but guess what? They need to see it as well. Notice what he says later in this passage. He said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens, strangers in the world. Aliens. You ever see that movie, Aliens? Uh, 
with that burst of the... Well, funny enough, that actor came from Chesterfield. That's his claim to fame. John Hurt was his name. And we all remember that scene. Oh, it took us all by surprise. And, but an alien is somebody who resides somewhere where they shouldn't be. And guess what? This, this world is not our home. I'm, I feel a song coming on. I'm just a passing through. <laughs> My treasures are laid up there. Well, somewhere, you know those songs, don't you? They're somewhere belong. Yeah. Now look, at, look what he says here. He says, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against you. And then he said, live such good lives among the pagans, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So the gospel is not just something that people hear it's something that they see. People need to see the good news in your life. I'll just throw this in passing. When you're with people, on the people sitting next to you in the restaurant, just say hello to them. Just say, how are you? One thing I've discovered in life, the people are going through things that we know nothing about. And all they need for a bit of encouragement is just to, for somebody to take a little bit of interest and just purely say, how's your day going? You'd be amazed. I tell you, that's been my experience. And that's been the gospel to me. That's been, that's been a, such a blessing to me when people do that. So here we see this this wonderful imagery. Remember who you are. As, as, as newborn babies, you, you need to grow. As, as living stones, you need to connect with that building that, that, that Jesus is building. As, as holy priests, we need to bring our sacrifices to God and and as God's possession we need to declare to Belfast and to Ireland the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light that we need to declare it verbally but visually as well for the for the last time when you turn to that person next to you and say Remember who you are. Would you do that? <laughs> remember, remember who you are, and then act accordingly. It's been wonderful to be with you. Lord bless you. God bless you. Yeah, thank you.